0: Welcome to On The Way. This is Tony Crisp. Over the years, I have been asked over and over again by both pastors and those who sit in the pews and serve, what is the greatest thing I can do as a pastor? Well, I'm going to let the Apostle Paul answer that because I think he answers better than anything I could ever come up with. And under divine inspiration, in the last letter he ever wrote, you see, Paul died for his faith and his testimony of the faith. And he knew he was going to die. And he told Timothy, my time of departure is at hand. And so he wrote this last letter called 2nd Timothy. And in it, he gave instruction to Timothy about what was most important for him to know. In more than four decades of ministry, I have stood beside many dying beds. And I can tell you when people are dying and they know they're dying, And they have those that they love around them. They don't mince words. They're not talking about weather and sports and such. They're talking about things that really mean the most to them, not trivialities. And so I believe Paul knew that he was going to die. And so he wanted to tell Timothy last words that he needed to hear. And so he said, I charge you, therefore, before God, this is to Timothy and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. I say to pastors, if you're going to lead people, you have to preach the word because your authority does not come from your title. It comes from your personal influence. Position will only take you so far. And if a pastor has to continually be telling a congregation that he's the pastor, he's not the pastor. And so that only comes through preaching and teaching of the word of God and loving people and working with people and relating to people. You see, what we're doing in our seminaries today, by and large, and in our Bible colleges today, by and large, is we're training CEOs, not servants. And because of that, the church of Jesus Christ is hurting. Many times when I've interviewed people in the past and people want to talk with me about ministry and working with me, if a man comes in, the first thing he wants to know is how much the pay is going to be and how many days he's going to have off. I may talk with him for a while, but the conversation really ends at that point. Because you see, that's not what life is all about, and that's not what ministry is all about. Now, I know that a man needs to take care of himself. But I think we've done too much about caring for ourselves and not enough caring about the Lord's work. Because you see, the ministry is not unionized. It is galvanized by the Spirit of God in our hearts. And so he said, preach the word. I hear preachers say, well, you know, I have to preach three times on Sunday. John Wesley and George Whitfield used to many times preach entire days, six to eight hours at a time. Preaching is the greatest thing that we can do. And I'm talking about really preaching the word of God and breaking it down. You see, that's what preaching is. It is being a herald for God. You are the voice of God. The greatest man that ever lived as far as a preacher was John the Baptist. And Jesus said he did no miracle. John did no miracle. But what did he do? He pointed to the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. You see, the greatest pastor is the greatest preacher. And I'm not talking about great in man's eyes, but faithfully proclaiming the word of God. He said, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. The word in season is the word you kairos, you kairos, you is the word for good or well pleasing kairos is the word for occasion or season. There's two words, chronos, which means time in the sense of minutes and seconds and history. But kairos is the word that's used here, and it means season or occasion. And so what he says, when it's a good time to preach, preach. And then he says akaros, which is the word for out of season or no season. When you've got an opportunity preach, and when you don't have an opportunity, sometimes you have to make one. That's what Paul said. Sometimes people will say, well, you know, um, I'm not ready to preach. Well, you need to get ready. You need to stay ready. And the word there for be ready is literally to get on your mark, get set, and wait for the go. It's like you should be able to preach at the drop of the hat. And according to when it says akaros, that means sometimes you have to drop the hat. And so this is exactly what is needed in the pulpits today is biblical preaching. And what is biblical preaching? Well, he says convince. That is the word for conviction. It's the word preaching for a verdict. I am sick of listening, and I believe God is sick of listening to mamby-pamby preachers who are just teaching, but they don't have a point in mind. They don't have an object in mind. You need to be preaching for a verdict. It's like a prosecuting attorney. The Holy Spirit will take your words, if they're truth, and will invade the heart and the spirit with those, and he will do that in order to convince men that they're guilty. It's not our responsibility to make them feel guilty or to get conviction, but by preaching the word, what we do is we expose the sin and the pride in all of our hearts, and God convinces us that we desperately need him. Rebuke, that's the word to bring to a place of honor. That means people need to be told this is not an honorable thing to do. You see, we've lost the concept of honor in the ministry anymore and concept, the concept of honor as a way of life. We need to be honorable men. Everyone needs to be, but especially the man of God. God, help me. I've not always preached like that. I've not always preached with the idea of bringing people under conviction. I've not always been an honorable man and been in a place of honor. I admit that to you. But that's what we need to do. We need to get ourselves there and listen to others as they tell us this is not honorable. You need to do that. Then he said you need to exhort. The word exhort is the word parakaleo, parakalesin, which means para beside of, kalesin from kaleo, which means to call. It means to call alongside. That means sometimes you need to go and just talk one-on-one, exhort somebody, encourage somebody. Not always be telling them what's wrong, but how to do it right and put your arm around them. That's That's what the Holy Spirit does. He is the paraclete. That's the same root word here. It's the idea of someone coming alongside you and putting their arm around you and encouraging you. Men of God need to be encouraged, and if you're out there and you have a pastor, call him up today, write him a letter, and tell him what he means to you, and if he needs something in his life, then try to meet that need in his life. Don't wait for somebody else. If you see the need and you don't meet that need, it's like somebody coming to your door and saying, I'm hungry, and you say, hey, be fed. God bless you. Don't wait on someone else to do that. You say, well, you know, I don't always want to be the one that meets the need. I want to ask you why. Why? You think you're going to overdo it? I want to tell you, rarely can we outgive God. Rarely can we outdo God. What am I saying, rarely? We can never do that, and you know that. So encourage your pastor. Encourage that man of God. And men of God, be encouraging one another. I've never seen so much jealousy in the ministry in my life. It's killing our churches because it is me, my foreign no more. I know churches that they're doing well among themselves, but they won't join with anybody to do anything because they're afraid somebody's gonna hear an idea or a message better than what they can preach. I've had a lot of faults, a lot of faults, but I can tell you, wherever I've been, people will tell you I brought in the very best preachers anywhere. You know Why? I want to bring in people who are better than I am so that they can hear great men of God who can preach the stars down and expose the word of God to us. And then it says, do this and complete uh, your ministry. And he said, do this with all macrothumia, with all long suffering. That means to be a long burner. You see, men of God are very patient. If something doesn't happen immediately, we're so pragmatic. If somebody doesn't run down the aisle every time we preach, we think we failed. First of all, that's the wrong measurement. We're not responsible for the results. God is. But we are responsible to preach the word of God with the anointing of the Holy Spirit that comes upon us through staying on our faces before God and being humble. Macrothumia is the word there for long-suffering. Macro is large, long And thumos is the word for passion or anger. You see, passion and anger are just two sides of the same coin. And so he says, be long-suffering. That is, go the extra mile. (laughs) One man defined it as divinely regulated patience. And God knows we need that in the pulpit. And then he said, do this preaching of the word with all of these different aspects of preaching. And then he said, in teaching, the word is didache. Didache. It is the word that describes the teaching of the apostles. That means doctrinal preaching. That's right. God has said something, and we need to share it with the people. God has laid out a set of teachings. But you see, we've got to make it thematic every time. We've always got to be in a series. We've always got to be doing something that's, quote, relative, end quote. We are never more relative than when we are preaching the eternal words of God, I'm talking about what is the greatest thing a pastor can do, preach the divine teachings of God. He said, for the time will come when they, who's they? Those who are listening will not endure. They're not going to listen. They're not going to bear up under this. They're not going to carry what you say. If it's sound doctrine, if it's reasonable, if it brings balance to their life, because you see they're off balance. But it says, but according to their own desires, the word is epithumia. Epi is the word that means upon. Thumia is the word, for again, for passion or anger. In this regard, it's mostly translated lust. Epithumia is heat upon heat. It's the idea of a dog panting. You've seen them with their tongues out. (laughs) That's the idea. And so that is when someone is in heat and someone is passionate, that's the way that they're breathing. They're breathing hard. And so he says, people will turn around and turn away from the word of God and not listen to sound doctrine, not listen to sound teaching, not listen to that which will bring balance in their life, but they're going to go around and look one right after the other and look for somebody who's going to scratch their ears. That's what it says, literally to tickle their ears, that's going to feel good to them where they go, ah, now that's better. Oh, yes, I don't like that mean-spirited. I don't like that talk like that. It makes me feel guilty, and I want to go away feeling good. Listen to me, man of God. It's not your responsibility, nor is it mine, as a man of God, to make people feel good. Our responsibility is to preach the word of God because God is the only one that can bring balance to anyone's life. And he says they will turn away and turn themselves to Muthois, that's the word myth. In other words, just like Aesop's fables, just made up things. And that's what we're hearing from pulpits today, people into this sensationalism. I hear prophecy teachers, I say that in jest, and all they want to do is looking for some new novel thing to say where they can say they found out they've now found where the blood of Jesus dropped down and all of these kinds of sensational things. They're always trying to sell books, they're always trying to sell DVDs, they're always trying to get you to through sensationalism, and a lot of it's just made up. It's their ideas. It's muthois. It's myth. And you say, well, that's that's what brings them in. Brings them into what? Not the kingdom of God. And so he says, but you be watchful. Stay on guard in all things. Endure afflictions. And this is the word to endure pain caused by maliciousness. The word is kakos, bad, malicious. You see, if you're going to be in the ministry... You need to put on some armor, the armor of God, because you're going to be shot at. You better put on that bulletproof vest every day because, yes, I know, when you're on the front lines, you're going to get shots whizzing by your ear, and some of them are going to hit you. I've taken plenty of them, and by the grace of God, I'm still standing. I have fallen over and over and over again, but by the grace of God, I have gotten up, and I'm saying to you, get up off your face and continue to go on, you say, well, I'm shot at, and they hurt me. Listen, you've not been shipwrecked for the cause of Christ. You've not been beaten for the cause of Christ. You've not been stoned for the cause of Christ. If you're in America, odds are you haven't anyway. I don't know your personal story, but I won't tell you, you have not suffered like Jesus did. You've not suffered like Paul did. You've not suffered like Peter did and you certainly not had your life on the line in many occasions for preaching the gospel. What we call hurt, what we call malicious, is people not liking us and people trying to hurt us. If you're going to be faithful to the word of God, then you need to bear up under afflictions and do the work of evangelists and complete the ministry. That means continue to share the good news. You see, winning souls and helping people to come to know Jesus is almost a thing of the past. Let me tell you. It's not in God's eyes. And people say, well, we baptized so many. How many were children? I so thank God when children are saved. But I believe the mark of a man's ministry is when adults are being saved and men are being called to the ministry and called to preach the everlasting gospel. That is when you can say God's hand is upon that ministry. Children being saved, thank God. But let me tell you, if they come up in godly homes, it's almost natural. I know it's divine, but it's almost natural for them to be saved. But when you get a man that falls under deep conviction, that's an adult or an older teenager from his 20s on up and the older he gets, let me tell you. When men and women start getting saved, the hand of God is moving in a church. Well, I have gone too long today, but I wanted to get this out because I wanted to answer this question because I'm asked all the time, what is the most important thing that a pastor can do? You visit, you be a chaplain, you do whatever you need to do, but if you fail to preach the Word of God, sir, you failed. Complete your ministry. Preach the Word. For on the way, this is Tony Crisp.